passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm Mike Chipos, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Angle Pick Pod. Angle Pickers, welcome back to the Angle Pick Pod brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Shout out Jepson's Malort, sponsor of our branded content. We're back for episode 69 of the Ankle Pick Pod, plus however many dot fives we're at. UFC 269, episode 69, all the 69s. Nice. We've got a full cast of characters. Top left, DK. Bottom left, RP. Bottom right, PR. How are we doing, fellas? Best day of the week. Except for Saturday night, baby. I'm in the blender. I'm in the Reese. absolute blender over here. Reese is in the absolute blender. Uh, he's having some some neighbor prob- problems, but um, I don't know. We, we, might we be came up with some it. good solutions. Yeah, speaking of, if, we, if anybody is aware of any tap dancers for hire, we might have somebody in the market. So uh, <laughs> keep us posted on the interwebs there. Or just make a Brazilian friend and roll around a little. That'll piss him off. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I can't even walk. So we'll see. So we're back on our standard grind here. We've got set the spread and and reviewing Jose Aldo's win in our Monday episode. That's already out. We've got news and notes, PJJ, and previewing UFC 269 this on this episode. So let's uh, let's jump right in. Let's go to news and notes. Um, and we're coming off there. I think we did a little bit of news and notes on the set the spread anyway, but we've got a couple items here, a couple of flight announcements and, uh, yeah, let's just get things rolling. Uh, first on the docket, we have UFC 271 shaping up to be in Houston, Texas, February 12th of 2022. What's up? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> All right, I just we've got UFC in Houston. That's oh, yeah. close to that's close to me and DK, and I think that Reese might want to come in, and Parker might want to come in. I know it's surrounded by some Texas Kansas basketball games right around Super Bowl. Yeah, weekend, I might start. So. Yeah, I got to start looking at some real estate too. Try to see where I'm moving. <laughs> <laughs> at a certain point, you just got to get out of your own head, your own head, bud. It doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. <laughs> All right. Well, Reese is bringing the fire today. Excited for the rest of this one. 
Um, 271, that was Houston in February. 270, I don't think we ever announced this, but 270 is in Anaheim, January 22nd. And that'll be the second UFC event of 2022. Cool. Cool, cool. Do you remember who's headlining that one? Uh, that's Gan Nganu. Mm. And then headlining 271 is Izzy Bobby Knox. Now that's the, that's the card. Uh, second item. This one, I might even just be a special nod to Reese. He might have planned on bringing this up anyway, but LFA 120 is tomorrow or Friday. So tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this, yeah. Royce White is making his MMA debut on LFA 120. He's I saw that. a former NBA player, Iowa State player. He had, he was always, and Reese, you might have a little more information on this, but he was pretty vocal, like in dissenting NBA's mishandling of kind of mental illness. Oh no, for sure. NBA. And that's, what's so interesting to me is so Royce white, one of the big downfalls to his NBA career was his anxiety played such a factor in him traveling with the team, but that was some, one of his bigger downfalls. And so it's interesting because you wouldn't think that a sport like mixed martial arts would be good for someone who, you know, can find themselves in their own head at times. If you're scared of, if you're scared of flying in a plane, I imagine you're scared of getting locked in a cage with someone who's trying to kill you. But you know, I don't know who knows these days, but yeah, that card's actually kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say it's stacked, it's, but it's LFA. I mean, you got a champ out uh, clear in the top of the list. Um, Tony Laramie, is that TJ Laramie's brother? Probably actually, definitely. Um, so yeah, you got just some weird shit going on there. Always fun. And then you also have a couple cage warriors. This you have one today as you're listening, and then you have one same day as LFA. I, I love the cage warriors goes back to back like that. It's cool. Today, Thursday, Friday would be the following day with cage warriors two and LFA. Right. Or I'm sorry, cage warriors but, two and LFA one twenty. But so the long and the short of it is you got a full weekend if you really want to anchor down and just watch the best sport in the world. You, you definitely got more than enough cards to do it with. Moving along here. Trevin Jones is out of his fight against how many Barcelos 12, 18, but we do have a replacement for him. Victor Henry is in and that's next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend. Okay. Um, next on the docket. Uh, we're into fight announcements, so I'm going in order now. But February 5th, Jack Hermanson and Sean Strickland. That's on Crazy stylistic yeah. matchup. Yeah, who do you think that favors there? I mean, I imagine Sean Strickland will do all right. He's faced wrestlers like Kamaru before, but, like, I don't know, man. Hermanson really could bring Hermanson's a tricky guy. He's yeah. just one of those – unorthodox reads that you just don't get to see in your gym and it's hard to bring a guy that's gonna mimic his style and, and i do think that he's gonna get hurt by sean's hands but who knows yeah it's more like can he take sean into waters he hasn't really been that's the question mm -hmm. that was february 5th february 26th we have a reschedule about terrence mckinney and far as I am or Zion that was what Terrence Zion. McKinney had COVID right that was supposed to be on the Chiesa no Terrence McKinney's John Brady oh Terrence right 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 Foreman in COVID which I don't know I I don't know how I feel about that I know I've seen some people on MMA Twitter really get pissed about it I, I guess it's 
the precautions are fine. It's just, it's interesting, especially when you lean on the vaccine that events or fights are still getting scrapped from people outside the fight getting COVID. It's, I, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, it's but, strange. It seems like you just got to test the guys and then as right. long as they're good That's to go. That's what I would think, but, but also at, at the same time, I, I get the, it's better safe than sorry. Cause from Dana's standpoint, I feel like he's kind of looking, he's like, well, if this, let's just say this gets out of hand, like you let Terrence McKinney do all the fighter activities. And now all of a sudden we scrap a whole card because we weren't precautious. Like, I, I, I guess, I guess I get And that. Dana's talked a whole lot of shit about how, how he's been able to stay active and have no real problems. Yeah. Dana loves talking shit. <laughs> uh, March 12th, Guido Canetti and Chris Moutinho back in the octagon. Okay. Whatever. Flashy. Whatever fight. That's another. Yeah. March 19th, I've got two fights for us. Cody Durden and Muhammad mm-hmm. Makayev. That was that youngest UFC fighter. That one's going to be so, so that'll be his, fun. That'll be yeah. his debut. I saw that. Also on that March 19th card, Darren Till and Uriah Hall. Mm. Okay. Darren Till, man, I don't know what they're – I mean, they're giving him strikers clearly, but it's like – I don't know. I, I I just remember people after that Cerrone vicious, like, broken nose knockout people. And, I mean, he got a title shot. I don't want to take things away from him. But, man, I don't know what's going on with Darren Till. He really talked himself into being the best to ever live, and it's – middleweight hasn't helped him. Yeah, he definitely thought he was a way better striker than he ever really was. But yeah. – I do think there's a super winnable fight for him. This of all fights is winnable. But then again, it's like, can you trust him based on his track record laying like the 250 that it'll probably be? Like, probably not. Not to dig up old bones, but I I believe I was the only one here who was against him when he fought Robert Whitaker. Yeah, I was. And I'm a big Whitaker guy, too. I just was worried about his chin. And then I actually bet till who was his last fight out? Who did he just lose to? He lost Brunson, yeah, I had till there too, which was just stupid. I, I whatever, God, son of a bitch, till till's on my shit list. <laughs> Last fight announcement for this week: Amanda Hebas and Michelle Waterson. That's March twenty sixth. So it's we're talking that's almost four months out here. It's a good fight for Hebas. Yeah, I'll be. That's it. That's what I got. I will um, be okay. throwing out my signs there. That is a Hebas by murder fight. Yeah, I actually have a couple. Um, so one is Antonio Bigfoot Silva is making his MMA debut at Eagle FC 44, which is Habib's promotion. And Danny, you're the only one who probably knows Bigfoot Silva, Antonio Silva. He, he, fight, he fought for Strike Force. He's fought all the names in Strike Force. Then he got a title shot in the UFC too. And then I think his last fight in the UFC was like 2016. He's the guy that you're like, Holy CTE. I mean, I think he's been knocked out 10 or 11 or 12 straight times in a row, but he at, at 40, 40, something, 42, 40, something, he's making his return against a kickboxer, believe it or not. So I don't love the looks for it there. You like, to I see- mean, and Tyrone Spong is a beast. I mean, this is so, a guy that Sanford MMA guy that like is talked about of being maybe the best striker at the gym. And, right. I mean, he's a kick champion kickboxer. He should be. But yeah, this is not right. this is this is bad news for Bigfoot Silva. Well, I was gonna say the long or the short of it is that that 
I'm definitely worried about it for just his health at this point. I'm kind of shocked he got sanctioned. And then just a little more on that uh, Eagle FC card, which is usually in Russia. I mean, it is Khabib's uh, promotion, but Ray Borg is on that is on that card. And Rashad Evans is also leaving retirement to fight on that card. So I don't know what the hell is going on there. It's going to be a, it's, I think it's going to be in Florida. It's, I think it's, it's, it's Eagles promotion debut in the States, but it's just interesting. The card's starting to fill out with just guys who really shouldn't be fighting anymore. I know Spong and Evans are both uh, Sanford MMA guys, which is down in Miami, which makes a little bit of sense. I don't know where Ray Borg is, but um, Ray Borg fall from grace after getting flying arm barred, but it's like, I don't know. I I'm under the proponent where it's like, when I remember we saw that Chuck Tito fight. I, I was really against that fight at the time. And now you're seeing guys like Bigfoot Silva. I mean, cause it's just, it's not like a, a Tom, I mean, even football is dangerous, but it's not like that. Like this, it, the speed that you lose and the power you lose and the chin you lose. I mean, that stuff doesn't come back. So it's like, I don't want to see Silva in there. I really don't want to see Rashad Evans in there. I mean, this sport's Ford's always been a spectacle. It's tough yeah. on these lower promotions, but yeah, I mean, back to its roots. Like, it's I mean, a when, show. I remember like with BJ Penn, Rashad Evans, a couple of those guys, like when they were winding down, uh, Josh Berkman was another one. When they were winding down their UFC careers, it's like I would throw every cent on the opposition because it's like they would, and they get KO'd every time. And it's tough to see. I mean, Rashad Evans, especially, I mean, he was getting just, he was getting shit wrecked down the stretch and, and at middleweight, light, heavyweight, heavyweight, like Bigfoot Silva is a heavyweight. Like these are vicious knockouts, man. Like, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I hope that their coaches are looking out for their health and whatnot. I don't want to speculate, but I mean, I know Silva's on a, at least a 10 fight skid with all knockouts. So I, yeah, I don't know about the Brazilian gyms. I definitely have faith in Sanford MMA just looking out for their guys. Guys, but like Rashad Evans, like saying that they're going to come out being. I mean, I I think it really matters who's Rashad's opponent. Like he still has definitely like got some sort of skill. You know what I mean? You you don't become a world champion and then become a scrub. But like, I don't know, man. Watching Chuck get knocked out, watching Silva get knocked out a bunch, watching Reem. I mean, Reem actually held it pretty good. But yeah, I don't know. Anyways, thought that was worth noting that. Habib's promotions making its US or USA debut. And then you got a lot of notable names on there as well, which is always interesting. Should be it. Also, Kobe, is that a Lulu hoodie? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I saw that the other day in the store. It looks fresh. I like that purple. Thank you, sir. We got to get these on video. So people are like, that is fresh. Drop a link. And then we get a little like Amazon distributor deal. Like, every link, every time someone buys that purple hoodie, we make a little coin we're just fishing for sponsorships here speaking of sponsorships shepson's malort gonna bring us our next segment yeah pjj brought to you by jepson's Malort park talk to us so, um, uh two i had two lessons this week uh looks like i'll get my combatants belt i kind of was calculating it with my uh coach in the next five months which i'm excited about that's cool so going into it this week, it was a, some some uh, headlock counters, uh, standing headlock defense, a headlock escape from the side mounts, and then we worked on a straight arm lock, which is pretty simple, honestly, uh, pretty effective though. And then we dabbled a little bit in the double ankle sweep, 
I'm from guard and guillotine show guard pole. So uh, I'm excited. I'm almost got my first stripe on my white belt. Mm. So uh, we'd have three more to go after that. Fuck yeah. There you go, baby. A little PJJ action with the combative belt. We're going to be touring the nation on Parker's shoulders. And we've got a lot of fun Brazilians on this card showing their jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so my far, I think my favorite, I think leg locks are my absolute favorite. They're fun as fuck. 50-50 positions are all fun, honestly. Can't wait till we talk Ryan Hall. Parker, tune into his fight. Let's talk Turkey. I want to start breaking down this card, baby. God forbid I go too late. God forbid I go too late into the night. You know, I'll be quiet over here. But we're going to start with the definition. And when I mean definition, I mean definition of a curtain jerker here. Priscilla Cochera versus Jillian Robertson. And Cochera, I know Priscilla. I know her from the worst non-stoppage of all time against Shevchenko and she ate like 120 unanswered strikes to the face. Unbelievable. But Jillian Robertson, unsurprisingly, is minus 360. Priscilla Cochea plus 300. Dan, dog or pass? Is that a thing in this, or are you just? I'm staying away from Priscilla. I'm I'm not a big fan of her. She really hasn't impressed me. I think Jillian's have a major grappling advantage here. Priscilla got taken down a bunch and controlled by Gina Mazzani. Gina just didn't really have the grappling pedigree to get her finished while Jillian will. If you're looking for a way to play this because you're a degenerate like I am, you mm-hmm. go with the Robertson by sub. I'm finding the line for you right now. But that's the only thing I'm going to do, and it's just going to be a little sprinkle. I'm seeing it at plus 125, just just a little bit to, to get the beak wet on that curtain jerker. I was about to say, because 300 is the day I lay 360 on Jillian Robertson is the day I need to get checked into rehab. And that's just – I need to say, state that out there right now. Next fight up the card, and this one, Dan, I'm excited to hear your logic on. Randy Costa at 135 versus Tony Kelly. We recently saw Randy Costa fight. Who the fuck was it? Oh, Giannis, Adrian Giannis. And I thought he would have a better chance striking there, and he just didn't. He got shell-shocked. So he's fighting Tony Kelly, definitely an easier opponent than Giannis. Lines Randy Costa minus 172. Tony Kelly plus 152. Shout out five dimes for the little two at the end that got me the victory this week on set the spread. But nonetheless, gotta add, I got to mention the two and the two's there. But Randy Costa minus 172, I feel like that's a little high. I know it's Tony Kelly, but I just feel like that's high. I, I think it's pretty accurate. I like the 170 a lot more than the 200 I've been seeing a lot more places. Yeah. I probably won't play either, but you said that Costa got kind of staunched in it in the Yanez fight the first round was pretty even and then he kind of got immediately snapped in the second Costa's a guy that starts fast and he, he makes that no secret I don't think that Tony Kelly's a guy that's going to be able to build back up in the second and third I don't think that he's going to start out as fast as, as Yanez did or you, I don't think he's even comparable really um, and I don't think he has the cardio to make just the comeback when he needs to Costa is a really capable striker. He's got a three-inch reach in this one. Um, I don't think it's going to be a walkover. The thing about Costa, though, is I just want to see his gas tank not fold on him. Because last time, I don't know if it was a gas issue or if it was a will issue. I mean, Giannis hits hard. No one would blame him. I don't want to, I don't want to start making assumptions, though. But he just 
he just disappeared down the stretch there. And so I don't I don't think that will happen against Tony Kelly, but it makes me more reserved on laying that 172 to say the least. Okay. So okay, so Julian by Julian Robertson by sub. Any D Gen plays for Kelly Costa or is that just a straight layoff? Yeah, this one probably won't see my card at all. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm looking forward to Costa probably showing out. I think he's gonna get an early stoppage, so I don't think you'll get to see your cardio proven, but I, I don't like it. Um, I'm inclined to agree with you. Maybe an in the distance, but it's 135ers. I you just don't know. I mean, Costa's got those flash knockouts, though. Who the fuck? There's someone he styled on hard as fuck. Um, Journey Newsome. That was insane. Boston Salmon, too. But n- neither of those guys are obviously going to be world beaters. Okay. Now, this is the one that Danny's been creaming his pants for the whole entire night. Ryan Hall making his return after the Taporia loss, fighting Derek Minner, a guy that finds himself on my perennial fade list, to say the least. Derek Minner, plus 170. Ryan Hall, minus 200. But what's even more shocking is... What's the sub here for Hall? Hall wins by submission is only plus 140, Dan. I think that's a gift. You're getting Hall by submission with the plus in front of it. Minner, Minner's no slouch on the mat, though. I'm not trying to imply that, but like you said, he, he's just not nearly – well, one, he's a perennial fave, but two, yeah, there are is. guys that are just elite-level grapplers, and Ryan Hall is one of them. And Minner, yes. even though he's no slouch on the ground, is just not on that same level. Uh, I think this is a great bounce-back position for, for Ryan Hall. I think Topuria is still underrated, even though he's getting a ton of love. And I think that Ryan Hall is going to end up in a 50-50 position or maybe coax uh, Minner into his guard eventually. I, I think that Ryan Hall is going to be able to get a heel hook. I think it's going to be vintage. I wish you could pick the exact submission. That would be a lead. Just Ryan Hall. By, but that would honestly, Dan, would that be any more than plus 150 if it's – like it's only <laughs> a lot. But, yeah. Bread and I, butter. So, I guess the question is – are you going to play Hall straight or are you just going to do the, the buy submission plus 140? I think, and we'll get to the breakdown later, but I think on this card, there's an opportunity to combine every single one of your plays with Amanda Nunez and coax a little value out of it. And I think I might play Hall straight up Yeah, with, with Amanda Nunez. Right, 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 right. No, that's definitely, I mean, when it comes to Nunez and it comes to Shevchenko, it's free value boosts. I mean, it's just, you know how sports books give you those um, odds juicers, like t- 25% odds juice. That's all Amanda Nunez is, yep. which I don't know. One day maybe we'll see. And, and we confirm this is at 35. Yeah, this is not her. Def- this is her defending the Bantamweight belt, not the uh, featherweight belt. Yeah, and it makes sense. Juliana Payne is a former strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you, you never know these days. I know they're trying to have her defend that 45, even though. The division is just people she's beaten that really could probably make 35-2. But anyways, speaking of that, we missed news and notes that uh, – or no, that might have been on set the spread that – who's that 145 girl that we f- make fun of a lot that recently called – Felicia. Felicia. Bye, yeah. Felicia. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Mary Velismas. Um, <laughs> Aaron Blanchfield versus Miranda Maverick. And these are two gals that we seemingly write a lot, Dan. And they're squaring up at 125. And Miranda Maverick finds herself as the favorite. Minus 132 plus 112 for Blanchfield on the other side. I like Maverick here. Not ankle lock level like, but I I like Maverick here. Her size and her striking is 
obviously not deniable, but we also talked about the credentials that Blanchfield had. We wrote her last time out at like, I think we just took her in a parlay and she started off slow against Alpar and then obviously put on the heat and finished it. But from what I've seen in the two, I've seen two Invicta fights in the UFC fight out of Blanchfield and then, but I just know her credentials. And then we've obviously seen Miranda Maverick throughout her career. I, I really like Maverick in, in this one. I thought the line would be bigger than 130. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, and this is one that I'm probably going to play. I know that that makes two times where I'm just ignoring no, my science. Too, but I, I thought this would be bigger. And, and like you said, Blanchfield is a really talented, supreme grappler. But Maverick's a great wrestler. She's not going to be thrown off by any kinds of crazy grappling exchanges. And I think that they're just so mismatched on the feet. Miranda Maverick is so much sharper. And she's just That's completely crazy. packaged. Yeah. That's exactly what I had is it's not even like, and you also got to remember that Blanchfield on the other side is I know 25 for Maverick, or I think Maverick might be 20, 25, 26, whatever she is, 24. It's young, but she's got three, three UFC fights on her belt. Jojua, Robertson, and Barber, all no slouches. Blanchfield's 22 and her UFC debut. There definitely was some big lights held back the the heat a little bit she was tentative at first and alpar who's not even on the roster got got some shots in got some cracks in. i think she might have lost the first round to be honest with you and alpar is trash right plus if it's worth anything tapology agrees with us they have blanchfield is the 34 ranked flyweight in the world uh woman's flyweight of course and miranda maverick is the 14th so that's a lot of yeah. space which makes between me, which honestly makes me even more concerned that the line's this close like more from like not a mma technical standpoint but more from just like the the better in me knows that that line probably should be a little bit bigger. What did, oh, hold on. While we're here, I guess, while we're on this fight, I'm going to check the open. Opened at Blanchfield minus 155. So Vegas really believing in that prospect and the Sharps are right with us, hammering that thing down. Now I wonder where it goes from here because you'd imagine the Sharp action's already been baked in. That'll be interesting to watch. And I think if, if you start to see Maverick get to the 140s and above, it might be worth getting a place now instead of missing out because more and more money might continue to flow. All right, is Parker still in here? Because we need our sound. It is the ankle lock. I don't know a good sound for this week. Any sound works. We're confident in this one. So give us your most confident sound, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um. The ankle lock is going to be 21 and four. Andre Mooney's, who just recently snapped Jacare's arm and sent him into retirement against Eric Anders, who I know that we've been both on and faded in the past. And he's a guy that it, it, you never know which Eric Anders you're going to get. But, but regardless of what Eric Anders you're getting, we took him to beat Darren Stewart and he had the no contest before. But, like, regardless of what, um, Eric honors you're getting you got to remember we're talking about a guy who like was playing college football started his MMA career late is 34 years old and has failed to put away guys like Elias Theodoro no longer uh, in the UFC split decision victory over GM three so like I guess not being subbed I might be a win he fought a a 40 year old Machida and he lost a split decision there as well so you know, he, he's had mixed results in the UFC, and I just I don't think giving him feeding him to Andre Mooney's is doing him any favors. And the best part here, at least in my, is the line. 
Andre Mooney's is only minus 140, which really took me back. And plus 120 on the other side for Eric Anders. But like 140, Dan, it opened at 125 for Mooney's. So it is going in the right direction, not for us as far as like what we would expect. But how did that line, why is the line so low? I'm really taken back by it. The only thing I can think of is just the size discrepancy with Anders having fought at light heavyweight for a decent amount of his career and Mooney's being a true middleweight. But I don't see that being a problem. I think that, I mean, if Darren the Dentist Stewart is taking you down, Andre Muniz is going to have no problem. He's a spectacular grappler, as you were saying, going for his third submission victory in a row. Uh, and, and Anders just, like I said, has suspect takedown defense. I know that this is going to hit the mat eventually. And not only there, but what I was, yeah, once it hits the mat, it's not like it's any better for him. It's much worse. <laughs> right. That, that's what I mean. It, I think that that's going to be Mooney, Mooney's bread and butter. I like Mooney's by sub prop. If I'm, I'm, putting a little sprinkle on it too. Um, Really only thing in the world I'm concerned about is Muniz gassing out, but Anders taking this on short notice kind of takes away that. And at 85 and at 85. Also the, for those wandering, the Muniz wins by submission is plus 170. So definitely value as opposed to the 140, but I don't know, Dan. I personally like the 140 a little bit. It's not super enticing. I would have liked a little bit bigger of a number. Time man, sub is such a good path for him. But anyway, so that is the ankle lock. The ankle lock is currently 28 and 12. That is a real. What's the round one sub? That's a bet. If you're gonna sprinkle something like half a unit, quarter of a round one sub while they're dry, that's the bet. So just Mooney's wins in round one is plus 300. Um, Mo- Mooney's wins by submission in round one is plus 450. That's not even that good. That's not. No, Vegas is thinking the exact same thing yeah, as me. Literally. Whatever we're saying, Vegas is right there with us. So, but anyways, 28 and 12, that ain't no joke. If you're listening and you have been listening and you haven't been riding the ankle locks, I know you're kicking yourself. It's impossible not to be. We had an underdog cash last week. We got a minor favorite looking to cash this week in Andre Mooney's only 140. That's, uh, that's, I mean, because people see the ankle lock, they're like, oh, you're probably just laying minus 350s. No, we try to get as close to even if not underdog as possible. So we're really sitting on a good value line here. I like it quite a bit. But we never get uncomfortable, and that's the best part. No, no. And I'm, I, this one I'm feeling really good about. As good as as good as usual. Prelim, next one. Bruno Silva, another guy that we just cashed on Dan and his last time out, starting to realize how much we really do bet against Andrew Sanchez. <laughs> um, and he on the standing on the other side of him is Hollywood, or no, the Beverly Hills Ninja, Jordan Wright, who's 12 and 1, most recently knocking out Jamie Pickett. But obviously, we remember that vicious loss to Joaquin Buckley, which has aged, honestly, not that poorly. He's, he's starting to finish a lot of people. But so Bruno Silva, Jordan Wright. And the line here is Bruno Silva. Got to be the Yeah, Bruno Silva's minus 350. So I don't know if the Jordan Wright fades in order here, Dan. I've got a little bit of a, of, of a different approach for this fight. Um, obviously, you've got Jordan Wright with that really sharp-looking karate Muay Thai, good striking. It's crisp and just good to look at you know what i mean bruno also a good striker but more so the traditional grindy clinch work muay thai uh he works the body really well as he showed during that andrew sanchez fight 
but I don't think this one's going to see the scorecards. I think these guys are going to slug it out. I think that this one gets ugly early. And that cheeky one and a half round gives me, gives you the heebie-jeebies. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the under two and a half and parlay it with Amanda Nunez. And I think that turns out to around like minus 160, around a great, a lot more value than Bruno Silva. Yeah, by a lot. And not going to lie either, under two and a half. Wait, Hunt. So we got to make sure. I want to get this official because there's this is one of those fights where I know last week people were saying William Knight versus Manyfield won't go to decision. I actually felt like that one could just with the respect they have for each other and also the grappling they're going to mix in. But this Jordan Wright, Bruno Silva, there's no way this goes all the way. We got minus 345 on the under. My bad. I'm seeing calculated minus yeah, 230, 230 on the parlay. Still, still, honestly, though, like it brings it from a minus 345 to 230. Like Amanda Nunez is going to be a great ad to try to steal some value along the way for sure. The only downside is you, if, if, nah, she's not going to lose. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, I mean, I was going to mention this with the breakdown of the fight, but it's at the point of you're betting against the odds of them slipping on a banana peel or tearing an ACL, tripping over their own feet. Right. It, it, that's really the only way I see Nunez losing this fight. Right. And, and the other thing too, is you can get like a, if you have a lot of your parlays getting value on Nunez and all your plays hit, you could find an easy hedge because pain is plus 600. You throw a hundred down, you, you cover everything um, and you'll be free rolling. But nonetheless, Nunez is a great parlay. That's if you're worried about the banana peel aspect, but Dan, I like that a lot. Cause you know, I think that both of these guys can knock each other out. And my fear with Silva and my big fear is that he gasses. He's shown it time and time again. He showed it hard in that last fight, too. I was nervous. He was, like, barely breathing. He finally got that KO over Andrew Sanchez. That's my fear. I think the later this goes, but that benefits the under because if it doesn't somehow get finished in the first round, I think that the teeter-totter sways towards Jordan Wright, and then Bruno Silva is going to be maybe on skates. Yeah, this is one I'm going to be a little bit wary about live betting, though, just because Bruno Silva has that dog in him and Jordan Wright doesn't. And although you're right about, I think, as longer this lasts, the better for Jordan, Bruno's got that dog in him. For sure. And you saw it last time out. Next fight was in discussion for potential ankle lock. We eventually decided against it because it's a heavyweight bout and you just cannot call a heavyweight fight a lock these days. But Augusto Sakai first tied to Ivasa. We def I definitely don't want to put Dan- words in Dan's mouth. I definitely lean the Augusto Sakai camp. We talked about it. This fight got moved from an old card and rescheduled for this fight card. And I, I just, when I look at a guy like Sakai, I saw him fight the ream. You've seen him in battles where being technical gives you the advantage. And I just see a massive technical advantage. I mean, the power advantage goes to tie, but just the technical advantage goes to Sakai. And, and I think that's going to pay more dividends than this line is giving him. He's currently at minus 105 with Tai Tuivasa being minus 115, the technical favorite. I, I really like Sakai there, Dan. Like almost worthy of putting the ankle lock stamp on it. All right, listeners, I'm going to let you all know why I didn't let the go ahead for the ankle lock happen. Um, I'm a little bit uncomfortable about the Augusta Sakai side. And, and it's really because when he's in matchups like this against these power punchers, against the guys he knows can turn his lights out, he kind of acts like a little bit of a pussy hole. And that's on top of (laughs) it being heavyweights here that can turn anyone's lights out in half a second. 
Augusta Sakai is a little bit scared. Now he's coming off of a round one loss to Jarzinho and another not, another finish against Aralster Overeem, albeit in a fight where he looked pretty good in the first three and then kind of gassed in the last two, and that won't be a factor here, being it only a three-round fight. I to boss's power and athleticism, it's the great equalizer at heavyweight. And I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not running to the cashier to place Tai Tuivasa, but I am very apprehensive about sitting here and saying Augusto Sakai can't lose this fight. It's hard. No, it's definitely hard. And it's not like, I'm, I don't think I get, I appreciate you stepping in on the ankle lock, but it definitely will get a unit out of me just because of the technical difference I've seen time and time again on the tape. I mean, we're talking about Tuivasa. The only thing that's brought him, because he lost to Junior Dos Santos, uh, Blagoy Ivanov, and then Sergey Spivak. The only thing that's really brought him back to life here is Harry Hunsucker and Stefan Struve and Greg Hardy. But, I mean, that's a name value that people are going to put a little no, bit more weight into. You're completely than right. You're completely right. And including Greg Hardy, there's not a ton of value no. on that win streak. But... I watched that JDS fight today and he was doing all right before he got impatient and kind of just lost his defensive. I mean, Sakai, I mean, I mean, look, Sakai beat Blagoy Ivanov, who Tuivasa lost to. He beat Marcin Tibura in 2019, which aged to be a phenomenal win. But He's none of those guys are real power punchers. They're, they're kind of former light heavyweights. They're guys that are in betweeners. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I, I One thing that I that really impressed me today while taping that is the last thing I'll say in terms of Tai Tuivasa being a technically sound fighter at all because he really does kind of throw and, and, and hope. He's a heavyweight that throws calf kicks, and that's fun. I don't think there are many heavyweights that are out there adding calf kicks into their game plan, and I've seen him add them. I, I saw them in the first round versus JDS when I said he was having success. Uh, and then he got impatient. I think if he sticks those calf kicks like he did against Greg Hardy, slows down, slows down Augusta Sakai, I think he can land. Okay, getting close to the prelim capper here, but this fight is could easily be on the main card. Pedro Munoz versus Dominic Cruz at bantamweight. Dominic Cruz, you always want to say the return back to the octagon, but he's been a little more active than usual, I feel like. I think he just fought Casey Kenny after a couple years off. He's just been bitten by the injury bug but this line dan dead even pedro munoz minus 115 dominic cruz minus 105 please tell me how you don't love dominic cruz minus 105 there i i love dom there i'm glad you said that i i'm definitely on the side of dominic cruz not to mention the oh, experience see, and whatnot but how you beat and the, pedro and the munoz. style that he brings exactly exactly how you beat pedro munoz is you don't fight his fight. You don't stick in the phone booth. You don't become hittable. You stay on your bicycle. You use the footwork, which Dominic Cruz might have the best footwork in bantamweight. And, and you move around the outside and you pick your spots. And he's so good at that. And as good as Pedro is of a boxer, if you don't let him hit you, he has trouble tracking you down. And I think Dominic showed... And for those somewhat... Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I was just saying for those who don't totally 
I mean, Dominic Cruz in the most recent years hasn't been the most active fighter. For those who aren't totally aware, I mean, I know Cody stopped him in their title, but his move, his in and out f- footwork and his his movement, I mean, he is so unique with the style that he delivers that he's going to be in a lot of trouble for Pedro Munoz. I mean, you're talking a guy that was, in, was just fighting for the title against Cejudo, takes a little bit off, um, after he, he lost his title with Garbrandt, beats Casey Kenny, albeit a close one. Still, we you know how we hold the like the how, how the the heights we hold Casey Kenny, and you're talking about a guy who just absolutely ran through. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has unanimous decision over Demetrius Johnson. Took a couple years off due to injury, won a couple more, beat TJ Dillashaw via split decision to win the belt, defended it against Uriah Faber. I mean, he hasn't been the most active fighter. But, dude, he is so stylistically talented. And the other thing, Dan, that I love, the thing that I fear about Cruz is not only the injury history, but also the age. But Pedro Munoz is like 35 as well. So you got a 35-year-old, a 36-year-old that's not going to be a a battle of the youth versus the other. I mean, this is a fight of two guys that are arguably past that hump of their prime, but they're both still fighting at a very, very high level. And the last thing that I think, really just pushes me in the Cruz camp is that Dominic Cruz, like you said, is a guy who hasn't fought a ton uh, every year, any year. He's a guy who doesn't believe in ring rust at all. That's, that's not my point, but he is an opportunist. And if he's accepting this fight, that means that he really thinks and really has a game plan to win this fight. And I, oh, I definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. You you don't you don't become twenty three and three from taking every fight whenever they want it. You know what I mean? Like you're dead on. He he's very opportunistic. He waited out for a title shot in his return against Cejudo after losing it to Cody four years earlier, which you rarely see. Uh, oh man, I just could not believe this line was minus one hundred five, Dan. So I guess the question is, did it see your card? Yes, sir. I'm saying right now, yes, Dominic Cruz will be on my card. Love it. Me too. Could I, 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 I love that. That makes you feel so good. At first, you had me scared for a second, but I'm glad we're on the same page there. Dom Cruz, book it now. I know you're driving in your car listening to this bad boy. Just, you know, pull. wait till you stop and then pull the little phone out and get that wager in. All right. Already prelim. It. You already played it? boy. See, country club's on top of his shit, and he's been making money because he's, he, he's riding the ankle locks week in and week out. He's riding the, the confident plays week in and week out. It's making him money on the side. Okay, prelim main event, and I, I, I know we're split all across the panel here. I'm dead 50-50. Dan's on one side. Country Club leans a little bit the other side. We're all over the place, but it's Dan 50K gay, a little bit more of an active fighter as of recent, versus Josh Emmett, someone that it would not be hyperbolic to say is the hardest-hitting guy in the featherweight division um, just from sheer power, but there's stuff that I want to bring up aside from the power. And the line here is Josh Emmett minus 155, but that's on five dimes across the board. Across the board, he's at the 80s, 70s, one minus 170s, minus 180s. Five dimes is clearly the lowest line here. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue with it, 155. But you, when you look at your book, might see something closer to the 170 marker. I know Bet Rivers has 190. Um, bet MGM is 170. So points bets 175. So five times is definitely the lowest is the point I'm going to make. But Ige on the other side is plus 135. And 
Dan, you set the spread. We were, or we didn't set the spread on this one, but you said that you're liking Emmett here. Country Club was saying he thought we would kind of be on Ige, and I'm kind of mixed. I have, I have, I could see reasonings for both. So I'll let you go first and, and explain why Emmett's your, your pick here. Definitely. And definitely the 190 and the 180, those lines are a little bit more shaky, but I'm really comfortable right around that 170 mark with Josh Emmett, I think, not I think, I know that he's going to land the more significant, more damaging strikes in this fight. Ige is a very skilled fighter, but he really struggles with elite strikers that have power behind their punches. You look at the TKZ, you look at Calvin Cater. These these are fights where it almost felt like from the first minute he had no chance. He was outclassed, he was getting pieced up. And like Reese said, Josh Emmett might have more power than both those guys, and I think he's just as technically sound as either of them. I really think that Josh Emmett is elite-level striker. I'm a little bit wary about the layoff. I'm a little bit wary about Team Alpha Male in general. But this is a a guy that tore his ACL in the first round against Shane Burgos and still outstruck him. Which is crazy. I think in a three-round fight, you get – two drops from Josh Emmett and that's two rounds already. It doesn't even matter what happened in the rest of the four minutes and 90, whatever. But in 2019, you're looking at a guy in Josh Emmett who dropped every single second of a fight to Michael Johnson before getting a flash knockout in the third round. So if you're losing every single second to Michael Johnson, and I guess there is more of a takedown threat there without a doubt, but. But that does add to the narrative because before this layoff that was the longest layoff in his career and he did not look good and it was more so to me on michael johnson doing a whole michael johnson thing of how can i lose this fight at the last second after winning it and less on and less on josh emmett Mm -hmm. however i i have faith that emmett's built himself back up to be the beast that he was after this acl tear and I hope you're right because he's 36 years old, had an injury history, and fighting out of Team Alpha Male. That's three strikes in my book. But I agree. I, the only thing I agree with is that Ige is someone that I had a little bit more weight into before that Korean zombie fight where he didn't win a single second of that one. Um, Calvin Cater as well. He didn't win. That, he really didn't win much of that fight at all either. So there's I mean, cool- Ige is a grinder. He's a savage. He's not going to sure. give up, and he's really no, durable. But he doesn't have the best takedowns, and I don't think he's going to be able to turn the tables if he gets hurt, really. But I just don't get how Mike Mike Johnson can win every second of a fight against Josh Emmett. And if if Ige was to fight Mike Johnson, I'd be all over Ige. So I don't get – There's I know MMA math never makes sense. It's just whenever I tape that Mike Johnson fight, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. How did em- – Emmett lost every single second of that fight. I mean, that was also flash. two and a half years ago. So it was March 2019. Right, but he has. it's not like he's been super active since then. And we also know Team Alpha Male doesn't make adjustments. It's more like if this fight was 110 each way, I'm with you on Emmett. At 170, though? I mean, if we're going to do MMA math all night based on Michael Johnson, Dustin Poirier should be like a plus 600. <laughs> That's fair. You got me there. You never know what you're going to get with Mike Johnson. But, like, I don't know. I At, at 110 each way, I, I see what you're saying. But at 155 or 170 on a lot of books, like, are you taking – like, will Josh Emmett make your final card? I think he will. I really do. Wow. 
it, wow. I, I just don't have faith that Ige is going to be able to get himself out of the deep waters if he gets hurt at all. Oh. And I'm really okay. confident that Emmett's going to drop him at least once or twice. Wow. Okay. I like, I don't hate that take. It's an interest. It's a, it's, I'll give you this. It was a take. I didn't expect you to have. I I'm, I'm live shocked on air. I'll give you that. Um, okay. Let's get, let's make our way into the main card for UFC 269. And this one is a mixed card. I got a couple fights that I'm really excited about a couple fights that I'm lukewarm about, but nonetheless, we'll break it down. Uh, I believe does Parker have his props ready? Yep. Cool. All right. So with Main Parker and his props, 9 p.m. Central. That's music to my ears. 9 p.m. Central main card. A bad boy won't end much closer to one. I am. I'm having some. Or, or I'm starting to swell up a little bit, Kobe. I and mean, we could be in a turtle's dream in outer space for all I know. But regardless, I am starting to swell up. I mean, it's going to okay. be an awesome night. Another full crowd. I think. What is it? Uh. The Death Star Vegas. In, in Vegas. It is. No, it's T-Mobile. T-Mobile. Uh, no. T-Mobile is not different. Well, the, I, I was talking about the Raiders stadium. Allegiant they're trying the to get Allegiant. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. T-Mobile Arena. Whether is, is there confirmed a full crowd? There's yes. got to be. Cool. Um, sucks that Mazadal Edwards is off this card, and that's why I really have gone backwards on, like, my excitement for this card because without that fight, this main card, I believe – yeah, the 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 Jeff Neal Ponzinibbio card is the one that got sl- slotted up. Not a bad fight by any means, but the two title fights really only the main one's going to be exciting. But okay, let's 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 get into each fight, not the the story of the card. So, first fight on the card is uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley, fourteen and zero in his mind, fourteen and one in all reality, versus Julian Paiva, twenty one and three, coming off a big upset victory over Kyler Phillips, which I did not have. I had I was riding Phillips in that one just from sheer size. And Piva looked nice. But the line, you guessed it. If you listen to Set the Spread, you know it, but it's ginormous. It's it's Sean O'Malley minus 300, Julian Piva plus 250, and that's come down a little bit. You're going to see it at, at 350 at a lot of books, 335 at a lot of books. So Sean O'Malley, the heavy favorite again. And, and that why, for me, I'm on Piva. Piva's a guy who... I, I know he's a tenor between 25 and 35, where O'Malley's a firm 35, but Piva's long. It's it's not like O'Malley's going to have that reach advantage that he has on a ton of people at 35. Piva's also a super, super, super technical striker, and Dan has talked in the past about Sean O'Malley's ability on the ground. And, and I will continue to talk in the future. And, and I know you will. I, I don't doubt that that he can roll and people don't realize it, but we're talking about a BJJ black belt on the other side, Dan, it's different. I feel like in a grappling match, you got to favor Piva. I would be shocked if you didn't. Um, so I did, I, for me, it's less about the, it's less about the, I'm not like trying to fade O'Malley or anything. It's more just, I think Piva 21 and three on a three fight win streak, very talented fighter, beating guys like Kyler Phillips, beating guys like Zuma Gulov, getting him at a plus 250, 280. Yeah, please tell me where to sign. Just give me a dotted line with an X next to it. I'll, I'll link that there. I'm comfortable. But you, since set the spread, have seemingly switched a little taken, bit. You're right. Yeah, switched a little bit. A little bit. Not like you you weren't necessarily fully taking Piva, but now you're a little bit more up in the air. Talk to me. 
Yeah, uh, you're right. On Monday night, I was not all over, but I was thinking that the only play is has got to be on the dog side. There's a lot of value for Piva. But I, I've kind of really lost all faith in that Piva can win this fight. I know you said he looked good against Kyler Phillips. He looked really good in the second and third digging deep against a tired, gassed out Kyler Phillips. But that first round was brutal. And Kyler's not the level of striker that O'Malley is. O'Malley is a different, different level. He's super creative, super calculated. And reset, I was going to mention it. He's super underrated on the ground. He subbed Takanori Gomi. He beat Gilbert Melendez, both in grappling matches, jujitsu only. I know Piva's a dog. I know he's got the dog spirit in him. He's going to fight for your money in that plus 250, plus 275. That's going to feel really good. I just don't have faith that he's going to get it done. I think O'Malley's going to hurt him. I think he's going to hurt him early. I, I just, I just don't see Paiva getting a lot of success, and I don't see him being able to climb back the way he did against Kyler. We saw in O'Malley's last fight. What, what did he throw? Like four hundred strikes in a fifteen-minute round. This is a guy that's just not going to slow down. Or not fifteen-minute round, but three rounds, fifteen total minutes. This is a guy that's not going to slow down. He's going to keep on coming. He's going to keep on hurting. I, I see him getting a knockout. I, I got to be honest. Are you betting it, though, or is this just a, more of a layoff? Depending on how the fight moves on Saturday night or how the line moves on Saturday night, I might pair it with Amanda Nunes and see if I can scrape together a play. But this is not something I'm running to the to the window with at all. Right. All right, Parker, how do you see it? I've always been against Sean O'Malley uh, to uh, Vera when he won. I'm also going to go with Sean O'Malley here, though, this time. TKO, riding with Dan, plus 120. 120? That's it? But you okay. said it yourself. Well, I have a former I know, 125. I, I, I don't know. think I know. that he's going to be nearly but... as tough as Moutinho was. I... Oh, come on. Tough, like, are you saying his durability or tough? Yeah, tough like durability. Not oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no like one's four hundred. Yeah, no one's 70. no one's tough durability. No one's tough durability like that guy. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of good wins, man. But Zuma Gulov, Kyler Phillips, and now looking to ink Sean O'Malley. And you know what, Dan? Sean O'Malley, similar to Dominic Cruz, I feel like is an opportunistic fighter as well. I feel like he feels pretty good about this one. Um, I noticed you don't really see O'Malley getting matched up with elite level wrestlers. You know what I mean? You you see and him. He's fine with it. He, he's yeah. He's kind of marketing himself as like, right. I'm going to knock out these cans until you make me fight someone good. Fucking force my hand. Right, 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 right. Um, so anyways, you, you might get a spectacle like as in like a, a flash knockout, but I think it's going to be a little bit more grueling than they expect. I know I say Next it every time. Really quick, but I'm really hoping yeah. that we get to see Sean O'Malley's grappling and we, and we get all these people on Twitter stop talking about it like it doesn't exist. Okay, well, I think that this so far is probably the best chance we have of seeing it. Okay, main card, uh, Cody Garbrandt versus Kai Cara France, and this is at 125. This is going to be Cody Garbrandt's promotional debut at 125. So... 
this is going to be a new Garbrandt. A lot of, I need everyone to take with what we say here on the Garbrandt side with a little bit grain of salt because we need to see what he looks like when he weighs in. We need to see what he looks like on the scale. We need to see how he rehydrates. I cannot emphasize how important that is, but where it sits right now with none of those questions asked, answered, uh, with none of those questions answered, you have Cody Garbrandt minus 135, Kai Car France plus 115. Size will favor, will definitely favor Garbrandt here, um, assuming all those questions that we've talked about. Dan, uh, I'll, I'll put this one in your corner first. There, there are a lot. Dan, of, I'll put this one in your corner first. Yeah, I thought you were going to ask a question, Reese, but I'll, no, I'll just sorry. break it down. No worries. <laughs> um, there are a lot. There are definitely a lot of question marks with this. I know that I think Kai is going to be or have the more volume of the strikes, and I think that Cody is going to probably land the more significant strikes when when they, as long as he can rehydrate to any semblance of himself. He's a guy that hit hard at bantamweight. He's going to hit harder at flyweight if he can keep up with the speed. There are a lot of things that I'm just curious about, though. Well, Dan, the one thing that fears me the most is Kaikara France at flyweight is standing at 5'4 with a 66 and a half inch reach. Cody Garbrandt, if he does make the 125, will be 5'8. But here's the thing, but 65 and a half inch reach. So I know reach is more important than height. So you're giving Kai an inch on the reach, even though it gives up four inches in height to, to the 135 or Cody. But in that, are you, do you have any fear? No, I don't. As chinny as Cody yeah. has been, even moving yeah. down. Oh, no. Yeah. Kai won't. But, but again, that's why I said grain of salt. I feel like the, to really answer that question, we need to ask. What, what Cody looks like, because if he is a emaciated 125, you could see something like what happened to TJ against Henry, where it's just a flash knockout because your body is not meant to be that light. Um, you also could see a guy like an Aldo move where he just looked better. He looks fresher. He looks like he honestly should have always been at 25. So there's a lot of questions to be asked right here for guard. And I really do think he should have always been at 25. I mean, granted, granted, we have to see him make weight. The one thing that I will say that's pushing me in the Garbrandt direction is, and I know he didn't look good against Bob Font, but he survived all five rounds. Right. That kind of has washed over my chittiness, whatever it concerns. Helps. It helps, but there will always be that stamp. You know what I mean? And, and Right, of course. But, but I've but, got a but, sneaky suspicion. Team Alpha Male guy, what well, Cody Garbrandt, lands like four or five takedowns he landed i think three against bob font they he couldn't hold the top pressure and he couldn't control him kai car france should be way easier to control kai car yeah. france yeah, is yeah, a way true. less experienced grappler what if cody garbrandt goes out there with the best game plan that he's had in his entire career and team alpha Malson? i would i would it, 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 let me put it this way. The day I see team alpha male come out with a very good game plan and actually help their fighter succeed. I will be, I will, I will eat crow until that day. I'm not banking on it. I've got Parker's prop here while he comes back. Well, so, well, so um, well, he is back. He just got back. But so Dan, where are you on this Garbrandt Kai? I'm laying off. For now. Like leading. I'm leading okay. Cody Garbrandt. Um, yeah, that's what it sounds like 
I don't know. I think that we're going to see. I don't disagree with you. I, I'm a guy who loves to fade Cody, but I think that being on this card, uh, being higher on the card than former rival Dominic Cruz is going to bearing out the best Cody that we've seen in a very long time. I think he's going to wrestle. I think he's going to be smart. I don't think he's going to be looking for that highlight. Rafael Asuncao, right hook. I mean, I would love to see it. I love Cody. Uh, Parker, let's get to your prop. Hi, Cara France. And I'm taking him uh, TKO plus 300. Wow. So he's, he's going with the narrative that is the chinny chin chin. All right, main card substitute, Jeff Neal, Santiago Ponzinibbio, the battle of the strikers, believe it, I would believe. I mean, I, G, G off might be able to mix in a little bit, but I, I believe it's going to be a battle of the strikers. The line here is Neal, plus 110. Ponzinibbio coming in at the favorite at minus 130, Dan. You, you just edged me on set the spread with that line. Ponzinibbio being the favorite after that long layoff and then a shocking loss to, to the leech. I know he came back in the win column. Feel like that's surprising, especially against the talent like Jeff Neal on the other side. The talent that is Jeff Neal is an interesting statement. He seems to be a physical specimen for sure, an athlete for sure. But what do we really know about his martial arts background? That he's got hands of steel. He's got heavy paws. Um, but are you favoring him in a striking matchup against Ponzi no, here? Right, I think Ponzi's going to have more activity. I think Ponzi's the more skilled striker. Like I said, Joff may be the better athlete, but by not by enough that it really scares me. We're and Jeff doesn't talk. No, go ahead. go ahead. Okay, Jeff doesn't really seem to have the killer instinct that I need from him here. Like we saw in that Neil Magny fight and the Stephen Thompson fight, which obviously are, are way different than Ponzi. Ponzi's going to bring the fight to you. Magny and Thompson are going to use their footwork and put themselves in opportunistic places. But it felt like he was just getting his ass beat and then would, like, dap up the guy after the round, like, you just beat my ass, Let, let's continue. Not right. like, and his corner kept saying, like, all right, we, we got to pick it up, Jeff. Where is it, Jeff? Like, turn it on, Jeff. And I think that activity from Pons is, is inside the octagon. I'm not talking about, obviously, he's had a big layoff or previously he's been pretty active yeah, since the layoff. Yeah, legal issues. But, but um, I'm, I'm talking about just being the more active fighter in terms of the striking, bringing the fight to Jeff, I think that it's going to be a lot for Jeff to deal with. And if Jeff can't land a perfect shot, a la Leach, and I think that that was more of a fluke yeah. than anything else, I think Pons is going to be able to style on him. Plus, so I actually, well, I just Jeff led Neal you DUI during his camp. That's not the yeah. headspace I want my fighter to be in. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Not a great start to your camp, obviously. But what I was going to say is, what really I kind of led you to bait to see if you were on Jeff Neal. I, I like Ponzi here. I like Ponzi on set the spread, but I like Ponzi here because of how Jeff has favored against similar veterans like Ponzi. The fight styles are different, like you mentioned. I mean, Ponzi's going to bring it to you. But when you get outside the realms of Mike Perry and Nico Price and you start getting to the Stephen Thompson, Neil Magnes, who are veterans of the sport, gritty welterweights will, will use their experience against you. He's struggled and it's shown like struggled severely. I think Ponzinibbio, I don't know if we'll get the finish. I really like the decision potentially by Ponzinibbio, just the, the type of kickboxing like pedigree well. he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, 
But so 130 might be a cheap price for Ponzi. I think there's a lot of people that are worried about the same questions that, you know, we, we're a little worried about at times. Parker, where's your prop at for Ponzi Nibio v. Geoff Neal? Uh, Ponzi Nibio inside the distance plus 205. It's a good bet, too. There's a lot of different ways number, Ponzi. to be honest, but it's it's a no. good way to approach the fight. I it's it's a good way. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Two oh five seems a little light. I like the decision a little bit better, but this definitely could be a finish for Ponzinibbio. It's a guy that is no I mean twenty eight and four. He's definitely familiar to the finishes. Um all right, now let's start talking gold. First title fight of the night, Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. To be honest, Dan, we joked about it on set the spread. We were just saying, how high does this line really go? It's currently at 920, so you would still get the point over my 950 and your 900. But it, it's just going to continue to go up. So if you really want Nunes and start adding to your parlays, do it now. It's just going to get more and more out of reach. But, Dan, what is there to say about this one other than Amanda Nunes is the, the absolute bantamweight goat, female goat, featherweight goat and she's fighting a girl in Pena who is obviously a name of the sport she's main card before I believe she yeah she fought for the belt against Shevchenko at 25 moving up to 35 and then you got um you know losses to Durandamy recently Shevchenko she beats Sarah McMahon gets a title shot because of how thin these divisions are I mean it's just it just feels like it's another lamb to slaughter and I, I doubt you see it any other way yeah, I, I turned on my video to, to show you the look of boredom on my face. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about this fight. Top off the drinks. We have a situation where, I mean, you watch Countdown, you watch Embedded, you, whatnot. Juliana Pena, they're marketing as a jujitsu ace. This is a woman who got guillotine choked by Jermaine Durandamy, <laughs> the striker, the kickboxer. Not like a year ago? Like, what are we doing here? Are we serious? I think there still is value at minus 900. No, like, I mean, it, I've been saying I'm comfortable adding her to every parlay of every bet I'm in a place all weekend, and that's true. I'm saying there's fucking value at 900. This is crazy. We've seen Shevchenko lines get up to like 1500 and whatnot. I don't know how this hasn't steamed more. I think it will steam. Like we said, get on it now. But man, it's, it, it, feels like what are the odds that she trips over her own toes and, and tears, tears all of her ligaments or like Chris and, Weidman's her leg like that's the right. only scenario right I mean you're dealing with the other thing too is what I've joked about before and I've talked about my friends before is you if you opened a parlay and you had open spot parlay at whatever eight spots or whatever and you only put Shevchenko and Nunes in it every single time it's a guaranteed winner. I mean, that's where we're at in the state of those divisions. And this is no different. I mean, I, I, is Pena any different from any of the other names that Nunes has faced recently? No. Is she bringing anything worse. to the table that Nunes hasn't seen? I mean, she's not worse than Felicia Spencer, but like. I mean, yeah, Felicia's I mean, 145 probably came in there 160. That may be a tougher task to deal with. We're talking about a woman who's yeah. path to the title. Her last two wins, her last three wins. Kat Zingano, I mean, look, Nico Montano, yeah. Sarah McMahon. I mean, we're talking what about a girl. What the fuck are who we doing here? She she choked out in the first round. Prime Misha Tate knocked out Ronda Rousey to hand her her second loss. Beats Shevchenko at, at thirty five though via split. We don't want to talk about those. Yeah, ones, 
Ground and pounds, Raquel Pennington. One punch, Chris Cyborgs. Holly Holm, first round knockout. Jerain Demandamid via unanimous decision. First round inverted triangle armbar submission on Megan Anderson. What is Juliana Payne going to bring that these phenomenal ladies have, can't bring? The answer is absolutely nothing. I mean, I repeat, and, she got guillotine choke by Jermaine Dur- Standing guillotine right. choke. Maybe the no, easiest right. submission all, yeah. to escape of all time. A standing guillotine. Parker's escaping that motherfucker, and he's been in it for a couple months. 100%. I am actually so confident that if I – try to stand in guillotine Parker, he would laugh at me. Yeah, he would. Guaranteed. And so that's the type of submission black belt that we're dealing with here. So anyways, with me clearly being on Nunez, Dan clearly being on Nunez, Par- Parker, where are you? If you say Pena, you're losing your segment. So I narrowed I got, it down for you. Get some value though. Go for uh, it. Nunez plus 420 decision. Oh, that actually isn't that bad of value. Yeah, that's. I think she'll get the sub. She'll do something, but still. So, but like, I think it's gonna be inside the distance minus one seventy. But I I need my value here. I'm feeling spiteful, and I think she's coming in there and she's gonna sub the jujitsu ace. I mean, it's 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 when you look at these fights with Shevchenko and Nunes, it's always the matter of how do they want to get it done. I mean, if, if Nunez is tired, uh, Nina Andronoff is keeping her up at night, you know, you can go, you can go a little slower here, grind out the UD. But if you're feeling angry because of the way they promoted Juliana Pena, first round submission, however but, she wants. I mean, you also said it, you look at the Shevchenko fight when uh, Pena fought her. She's a girl who is durable. She doesn't like getting knocked out, but she very much gets hurt and gives up arms, gives up her neck. Like, For says, sure. please choke me, get me the hell out of here. Also, Nunez, Nunez by sub. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not a bad. But decision also. Nunez by any way, it's kind of like a coin flip, but it's got to be in the Nunez camp. Okay. Now, this is where everyone's here. There's a good chance they may have fast-forwarded to here. This is the fight that brings everybody here. This is the fight that puts butts in the seat. Charles Oliveira is defending his 155 strap against Dustin the Diamond Poirier, the guy that a lot of people think should be holding the strap. He took the money, fight him McGregor, and Charles Oliveira grinded his way to the unanimous champion at 155 after a long career. I love to see it. I love that shit. We got some amazing champions at this stage in the sport with Glover Teixeira, Charles Oliveira. It's fun. We're at a fun spot in this sport. And Oliveira comes in at the plus 150 dog over on five dimes. Dustin the Diamond Poirier minus 170 to take the strap and be the undisputed light heavy or lightweight champion. Wow. Has this division gotten fun since Habib freed it up? Dan, I like Poirier. I like Poirier by knockout. I'll cut to the chase. I, I think Poirier gets it done. And, and, and the main reason why I think I, he gets it done is for two. One, I think Charles Oliveira is going to have a tough time getting this one to the mat. Two, I think Dustin has more power, is more precise, is a better striker than Chandler. And Chandler had Oliveira on skates there in the first round. I, I really think that Poirier is going to be accurate enough to, to get the finish and, and actually finish it where Chandler uh, gave it up because and, and Chandler was very close to getting the finish there. 
and so I, I just I, I feel like when you look at the power aspect that a guy like Poirier brings to the table, I mean, it's a different fight than than Jim Miller. It's a different fight than Jared Gordon, Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson. I mean, these guys are willing to grapple with him. This is not the case with Poirier. Poirier can kind of dictate where this fight goes and has a different level of power and precision that we saw him use against the likes of McGregor and some other uh, uh, Max Holloway, those guys. So I, I like Poirier here. 170 I don't love. Um, I do think Poirier by finish, but if you really want to go knockout, he's not going to sub Oliveira, but Poirier by knockout, TKO plus 125. I mean, is that really better than 170? I, I don't know. I, I think so, but it's, it's tough. But I, I do lean Poirier. The reason why I wanted to go first is because a little pre-talk chatter, pre pre-record chatter it sounds like you're going Oliveira. country club as well seemingly likes Oliveira. yeah you're 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 right um i agree with a lot of what you're saying but i do disagree specifically with a lot of what you're saying i, I think it's gonna be and still club and sub check hook to rear naked choke club and sub yeah See, i don't get the club aspect because how uh, it's that check hook that is the from what I saw today, Poirier has a lot of trouble with protecting his left side. And that, that check hook is Oliveira's favorite weapon because he has no fear at all, no concerns, no worries, no apprehension of anyone trying to take him down. He is so comfortable throwing that, that hook in any situation. Poirier is a really talented fighter. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Really crisp boxing, a lot of power. Uh, pretty, pretty good grappling, but more so when he's going forward, he's got a lot of holes defensively. I think he's really hittable, especially by that check hook that I was saying. I think he's also has a high propensity to get taken down. I'm talking four times by Dan Hooker. I believe what kind of wrestling credentials does Dan Hooker have to take Dustin Poirier down four fucking times? We're talking about Oliveira, who's a 10 times better a grappler than Hooker is. Maybe 100 times. I mean, I think that there's value maybe. I'm seeing a plus three something for Oliveira by sub. I think that there's a guy that's always gone for the finish in every fight in his career. Where I agree with you, Reese, is if, if you like that Poirier by finish, my favorite bet about on this entire card is the under two and a half, um, minus 130. For Oliveira Poirier, I think it plays both sides. Oliveira is a guy who's been vocal in interviews that he's always looking for a finish. He never wants the judges to be involved. And like you said, Poirier has the power. He probably has a pretty big advantage in striking. If this is going to be a knockout, it's probably going to be his. But I, I just I see him getting caught. He's a guy that's hittable. Dan Hooker was hitting him. Holloway was hitting him. Fucking Gaethje was hitting him, and obviously he outstruck them all, but Oliver's a different threat and a different problem to solve than all those guys. It's just a, he poses a completely different threat. It's just – okay, I get everything you're saying. I don't get – because this is the same take you had similar when Poirier fought McGregor. I don't get what you don't – what has Poirier not proven to you? That's this my is, question. So this, it's a different take than when I, when I fought McGregor. When he fought McGregor, I was... You said he was the worst striker. No, I was confident that... Uh, he was the worst striker. Yeah, that I was confident that Connor can strike with him. 
in this case, I'm not confident that Oliveira can strike with him. I'm not even looking for that. I think that Oliveira poses a completely different threat. I think he's the best submission grappler yeah. at 155, and that includes Islam. Maybe in the UFC. I think that I think that Dustin Poirier is hittable, and he's shown it. I think he's been able to be taken down. I, I mentioned the four times by Dan Hooker, multiple times by Korean Zombie, multiple times by Cub Swanson, and that's down divisions. We're talking about one of the most decorated grapplers on the roster at any division. I, I just think I think I'm I'm done doubting Chucky Olives. I think he's fucking right. awesome. I think and still at plus value is a gift. And I, I I'm not saying that I'm gonna throw the house on it. I'm not scared to be wrong either. I don't think that Dustin Poirier is is the best 155 or alive. I don't think he's the best 155 or in the division. I think Chucky Olives can beat him. Mm. Parker, where are you at? One Poirier. Uh Inside the distance, plus 100. I know he's not going to win by sub, but just TKO is only plus 125, and it just doesn't seem like enough value for me to yeah want to get off inside the distance. Not only that, but on the off chance that either – I think that classifies a DQ. Is, I'm not sure. But also, no, it doesn't. I will say my – my spot for this fight, I'm not running to the window to bet Oliveira. Like I said, I love the under two and a half for this, minus 130. And mm-hmm. I think that if it goes into that, in, into between the second and third round, I'm probably going to be have my finger hovering over the Poirier live bet. I think the, the later this goes, it's Poirier's fight. But I love Oliveira to just, to just okay, get us well, up. So this is the best time ever to plug it because the only real way to find out where Dan will be come fight night, as far as I will be on the under for sure. Okay. Under two and a half. Yes, sir. Okay. So under two and a half will be there, but follow him over at dank wagers on Twitter to get the official official plays come fight night. Parker's props are in They're locked and loaded. PJJ corner has been advancing beautifully. Country Club, relatively quiet tonight, but looking sharp nonetheless. Good news and notes, Seggy. And your boy rattled as all hell. So I refuse to do the sign-off tonight because I don't want to wake people around me. Yeah. Before we close up, let's talk schedule end of the year here because we only got one right. more card after this. So we've got our Reese is a chance to ice set the spread coming up Monday evening with the one-week lead over DK and set the spread. We'll recap 269 on that episode. We'll preview Derek Lewis, Chris Dawkins, and that final 2021 card. What about this time next week? And then the following week, we'll do a little bit of recap. We'll also have kind of a year recap with our awards, ankle pick awards, and what comes with it before we'll be away for kind of our winter break. Probably, so probably yeah. two, three, 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 four weeks before the first card of 2022 which I think is January 20, I'm sorry, January 15th. In that vein, listeners, our DMs are open. Send us your fight of the year. Send us your fighter of the year, your sub of the year, your knockout of the year. We want to add them all to the list. We want you all to be contributing to these awards in any way, shape, or form. These are going to be fun. Yeah, crazy year we had in MMA and also a crazy year in ankle pick history. A lot of Malort shots flowing, a lot of ups and downs. 
So we're going into season three of of the year, your card of the year, all of it. We'll have all, we'll, you know what? We'll create a list and post it on Twitter for, for voting. Um, but dude, season three of ankle pick pod season three of set the spread coming up here. It's been a hell of a run boys. Love the audience as always. Good, good little schedule coming ahead of us. So who wants to rip the, to the sign off? Because I, I'm too in my own bag to do it. I got here. Uh, this is for, uh, we got to be really quiet for Reese's name. Yeah, here. super quiet. I'm going to mute myself. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.